Thank you for tuning in to Summary Judgment, where Austin personal injury attorneys Josh Fogelman and Aaron Von Flatern of FBF Law discuss the ins, outs, and in-betweens of personal injury cases. Welcome back to Summary Judgment. It's been a while since we've podcasted. Uh, We are here in an upgraded studio, uh, sounding hopefully a little bit better than we used to when we were broadcasting from the pandemic in the above the room, above the garage room and or the shed or master bedroom. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's right. That happened. And, and speaking of the female voice that you just heard there, uh, we have another upgrade for you. In the podcast, we have brought in Margaret Von Flater in the firm's COO, uh, the COO of FVF Law. Uh, this is the podcast where we, we talk about our law firm, our practice, how we do it, and how we're trying to do it better. Right, Josh? That's the idea, yeah. Okay. And so I've been instructed to try to make this interesting, and therefore I'm going to try to talk as little as possible and get you guys involved. Um, and we have specifically asked Margaret to be here in order to help us uh, moderate this conversation, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic. Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. I'm uh, excited to participate in the illustrious summary judgment podcast. Um, I think, as Aaron said, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the firm and the inception of the firm today. So. Why don't we kick it off with how did we get this thing going? You want to talk about Uchiko? <laughs> I do. I want to talk about the last time Josh paid the bill at Uchiko. That's <laughs> <laughs> traumatic. I've buried that one away. All right. Uchiko is a restaurant in Austin, Texas, uh, run by Tyson Cole, who is a, is he an iron chef, master chef? He's, he's a good chef. Very All right, good. He's excellent. And he is very proud of his sushi. Uh, and for Josh Fogelman and I to go pay for it, we had to be feeling really good one night in the year 2014. Talk about it, Josh. Yeah, well, um, 2014 was uh, an eventful year, actually followed by a more eventful year of 2013. Um, I guess if we want to really go way back to kind of how the firm started, um, Aaron and I got to know each other through kind of a mutual friend, someone that I had grown up with uh, that Aaron had actually gone to work for four um, in his first job out of law school, kind of an internship situation. Uh, I remember getting a phone call from, from my friend saying, hey, I got this guy. He's looking for a job uh, down in Austin. Thought of you, anybody, you know, anybody that's hiring? And uh, I said, well, I'm not sure, but let's see what we can do. And so Aaron came down and met. I was working at a, at a local law firm here in Austin. I was just an associate there as well. Um, but we all kind of got together, and um, Aaron was uh, actually I- eventually introduced to my boss's close friend Ross Ellinger, uh, and and Ross is a really was a really beloved member of our community that had actually just gone out on his own and started his own law firm that happened to be working out of the same office as my law firm. And, uh, you know, as kind of fate had it, Ross was interested in and looking for someone to come help um, as his business was getting off the ground. And so Aaron and I uh, ended up sort of under the same roof, but in different law firms. And we were actually working on a handful of cases together, one kind of really interesting and complicated construction litigation case. 
in particular, and we just got to know each other uh, that way. I mean, that was a kind of a a, a really interesting case for both of us we, that we were both cutting our teeth on in the litigation world um, and just, I don't know, man, found we, out. We got to know each other and we got to know panic attacks <laughs> and what it was like to have multiple town hall meetings with about 30 homeowners in a construction defect case. And uh, there are four office complexes involved and six or seven lawyers on the other side and r- repeated uh, inspections with engineers and experts and all kinds of lawyer fights and motions. And uh, definitely it was uh, a pretty rocky uh, case. It had its ups and downs, but it, it worked out well. And I guess we should probably talk about some of the ups and downs that happened in our personal lives during that case. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were really deep in the throes of this. I can't even it would be violate client confidentiality to go into the insanity that that case was for both of us. But what made it even crazier is literally in the middle of that case and within 10 days of each other, unfortunately, uh, Ross Ellinger passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And then 10 days later, actually during a deposition that involved that case, my dad passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And, you know, I think, at that time, it really threw me back and caused me to become introspective about, you know, where I was headed, what I wanted to do with my life, what was my purpose, what was my mission, where was I going, what did I want, um, and who did I want to do it with. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of interesting how how great things can be born out of tragedy, but that's certainly how it was for me. And uh, after a lot of reflection and thought about sort of the state of my own personal life and the state of my own professional life, um, I kind of approached Aaron and we had known at that point, at least I knew at that point that we got along really, really well. We seemed to complement each other really well. It was kind of difficult to articulate how that exactly was the case, but I mean, we, we kind of went through the fire on that case and developed a, a pretty strong bond and friendship and, and brotherhood, really. Um, well, and I should point out that uh, one of the defense lawyers on that case, the only defense lawyer uh, uh, that really we had struck a bond with during that case, you know, where we, we kind of felt like we could trust this person, he ended up uh, coming to your father's funeral and eventually joining FEF Law Firm, and he's he's an amazing partner of ours now, Mark Ferris. Um, and and I remember that I hate to go back to the funeral, but you know, Margaret and I um, left, and in the parking lot, I remember Margaret telling me, "I can see why you want to practice with that person." And I think she was referring to the poise that you had in that moment, um, and the uh, way you were able to articulate your feelings and the way you were able to be vulnerable in front of a lot of people. It's one of the, your gifts. And I think that that is what draws people in. That's what draws juries in. And I think that's what's drawn a lot of great people to our law firm. So uh, personally, that was, you know, at that time, I think we were both just doing what we could to survive, right? We are just moving forward, next step, next step, next step. And then uh, the rubber started to hit the road where we're like, all right, well, how would we actually do this? How would we actually launch a firm? And what a lot of people don't realize is that in the background of all those decisions was Margaret, who had been uh, a business uh, person in a 
Fortune 500 company at the time and, and had a lot of the kind of grown-up insights that you only get from experience in the big, big places like that. And so we were drawing from each other and also drawing on some of her wisdom uh, to get it started. Um, and I think it, it was organic, um, but we both brought a similar amount of intensity to what we were doing, and I think that was the key. Yeah, it's, uh, it's scary, right? Because you are sort of staring into the abyss and you don't know what's down there and you have kind of two choices and you either jump in the water or you walk away. And I think we decided to jump in the water and we had a lot of really incredible support, not only from our family, Margaret and Steffi, my wife included, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of support from the community of personal injury attorneys and other attorneys uh, in, in the Austin area, uh, even support from um, my old boss, whose organization we were both leaving at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you look back on those decisions and a little bit crazy, but at the same time, I look back and I would never, ever do anything differently. I'm so grateful for how things turned out. You know, one of the things too, when you're starting something like that, I didn't really think too much about this at the time. It was more just like, I really am enjoying practicing with Aaron. We have a bond and we have uh, a way of working together that seems to be effective. And we had gotten to know each other really well, but it's hard to really think about a partnership as some sort of really super long-term commitment. At least I, I I don't know that I thought that deeply about it at that time. I was more focused on, I really like this guy. I want to do this. I'm going to do this with him and let's see what happens. What's been interesting to me kind of about that too is like, at the time I couldn't really, like I said earlier, I couldn't really articulate what our sort of strengths and weaknesses necessarily were or how we were complementing each other. I just saw that it was working, but what was interesting to me was to watch how that evolved and like never, as I look back was when we never even had sat down and had a conversation about, okay, well, here's going to be your role. Here's going to be my role. It just, it evolved naturally. Right. And we sort of took the lead on those things that we felt we were stronger at in the organization or maybe wanted to do or, you know, sort of just tended towards naturally anyway. And, you know, we're going on what nine years now and like, there's never, we've never had that discussion. Yeah. We were lucky in that regard. Never. What what does that have to do with Uchiko though? (laughs) (laughs) This is my way of just deflecting. (laughs) So, I mean, you guys have talked now about, you know, the bond that brought you together and also, you know, some of the things that you saw in each other that made you believe that you would be good partners, both in the practice of law and in the practicalities of business. Is there something, was there, was there parts of the process of starting your law firm that surprised you? Like once you decided to move forward as the things started to progress, are there things in, you know, as you guys like to say, hanging a shingle that were unexpected or surprises along the way in the beginning? I would say what surprised me was long, long hours that I didn't mind. 
you know, I think working really intensely, really hard and being scared about whether you were making the right business moves, whether you were making the right moves as a lawyer, um, you know, losing a lot of sleep, but, but liking it because it was exciting to, to get this stuff done. And, you know, we were getting feedback from clients. They were happy. That was really good to us. The idea that we could do this differently and that we were in control of that, of that narrative, uh, that we could start to change the conversation about personal injury law in Austin, Texas. You know, we, we started to notice that, uh, hey, you know, people have been spending millions of dollars on billboards for decades, you know, and, and now all of a sudden the clients are doing the talking and the clients are on the internet. They're providing those reviews and the reviews uh, for our work were pretty detailed. You know, they were going in, into depth about why it was working. And I think it, it had to do with the fact that we really connected with our clients, really enjoyed them and we enjoyed being at their service. We enjoyed getting their cases done and seeing where their lives went next. For me, it was interesting. I, I didn't expect starting a business to expose my weaknesses the way that it did. Um, I've always been a pretty confident person and sort of felt like I could do anything. Um, but I'll tell you, like you start a business and you realize there are just so many moving parts. And as an organization begins to grow as quickly as ours did, fortunately, um, how much management of people and places and things was required and how I found myself um, uncomfortable in being able to manage those things on my own. Um, it became really clear to me very quickly um, how important it was for me to have a support system around me, not just a family, but in, in my partner and in you um, and in my wife, you know, uh, to control the chaos because at the end of the day really there was a lot of chaos when we got started uh, you know we didn't have any training in how to start it it's not like we went and took a class how to start a business we just decided to do it and we ripped off the band-aid and <laughs> did it uh, and there were a lot of lessons learned for me in that regard and and still still are yeah we made a google doc and we put every issue we could possibly think of in there and we kept like working on dumping links and texts and, and, you know, whatever, if we were working on our logo, we would put stuff in there under the logo heading. If we were working on our tax ID with the U S government, we'd, we'd have like a whole section for that. Um, and so we just put one foot in front of the other in order to move forward. What we found pretty quickly was um, the, there, there's a sort of myth of, um, you know, self-starting business person does it all and, and wins the day, right? Like in reality, um, we didn't really take off until we got help, right, Josh? I mean, we had, we started with 100%. Josh and I, half a paralegal. We were, we were sharing a paralegal with our, with our former firm under a collaborative agreement with them. And we realized that we were our own worst enemy. You know, we had to get out of our way uh, in order to, not grow for growth stake, but grow for our clients, you know, be a more robust firm for them. And, um, you know, so hiring our first paralegal, um, looking back on it, it's like, we've, 
it doesn't seem like a big deal, but at the time that was huge for us. That was a big uh, corner that we turned. Well, and so maybe talk about how both scary that decision was and how beneficial it ended up being for the organization. Because I know, you know, um, as the beneficiary of um, the good work that the firm does, um, being able to carve out resources to hire those first staff members, that's a huge risk that you're taking. So now we're not just risking our two households, um, personal livelihoods and financial stability. Now we're taking on those additional responsibilities. So maybe talk about, you know, how did you finally come to that decision and what did that feel like? Yeah, well, uh, you know, kind of to your point, it's a little bit of a catch-22 because you're drinking out of a fire hose and you need, you know you need help. At the same time, in the personal injury world, you're not getting retainers from clients or, or hourly paychecks. There's no guaranteed source of income. So you're banking on being able to get cases across the finish line and you also know that once you finished one case, you need another one to take its place. So you're sort of frantically uh, signing up the, any client that'll have you at that time, you know, in a way that further reduces the amount of time that you have to commit to the clients you already have. So you have to have help, but you're afraid to pay for the help because it takes time to train the new uh, any any new uh, uh, paralegals or other uh, team members that come on board, um, and you also your family's relying on you to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So where's the paycheck going to come from? You know that's a scary decision to make. But once you make the commitment to do it and you say, look, I'm already all in on this, like we're either going to thrive or we're going to fail. But mediocrity is not uh, not in our vocabulary here. It's not a, an acceptable outcome for this organization. And you pull the trigger on bringing on help. You realize, man, I, I wish I had done this sooner. And, you know, again, kind of to the point of understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are, you bring someone on that's the right fit for the position and they, I mean, what they bring to the table helps exponentially compared to what you have to, you know, output mm -hmm. to have them there. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the, the energy that you get from other people also helps drive you forward. So, you know, Emily was our first parallel, Emily Uris, mm -hmm. um, and she... Uh, employee number zero zero one zero zero one that's right <laughs> and um you know we'd gotten a referral f uh from another lawyer who had worked with her in the past um but that firm broke up and prior to that she had been a barista at starbucks and you know we didn't really know it at the time but that's exactly the kind of person we needed somebody who was used to delivering excellent customer service you know starbucks say whatever you want about their coffee they have a great culture of delivering that high level of service. And she came <laughs> to us with that mindset. She wanted to serve our clients and, and help us, you know, move the ball forward. And we felt like honored by that, you know, and it helped us to work better as lawyers. And so we started to notice that was a very positive, virtuous cycle 
And we brought on, you know, Scott Butler as a case manager. And then we started to actually bring on lawyers um, to help us get cases done. And uh, looking back, it, it, it seemed pretty linear, but, you know, I can tell you there were times when even, even as we were growing and we were happy and we thought things were going great, we would still have days where we would be waking up at like four in the morning to drive to Dallas and, you know, I remember Josh showing up at my house and I had overslept and we had a deposition on a huge case in Dallas at this really fancy law firm. And I think I showered in like a minute and a half and like ran out of the door, putting the belt in my pants. And, you know, we got in the car and went and, and uh, probably didn't have the best deposition of our lives on that, on that day. But, but on that particular case, we just kept fighting, you know, and I think that what this firm means now and what it meant then is that we have a lot of heart. So we don't always have it together. Sometimes we are running out the door, putting the belt in our pants and just like barely getting in the car on time. Um, but when we finished that case, defense counsel for the biggest target called us and just complimented us on like, I think they really underestimated us. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and yeah. we liked that role. We, we might liked. have underestimated ourselves a little bit, and yeah. you know, one hundred percent. We we really came into our own uh, on that case. I mean, that was a very, very hard fought victory uh, where we learned a lot about ourselves and a lot about the practice of law and advocacy and professionalism. Um, yeah, work always wins. That's what we learned. Perseverance. Yeah. Not taking no for an answer. Absolutely. But as a side note, it's funny, you know, going back to Emily Uris, mm -hmm. you know, I look back on that interview and the funny thing about it is at that time, it was just these two yahoos that didn't really know what they were doing. And you have this interview, which really was pointless because... The job was hers if she wanted it. <laughs> it was just a matter of like. Aren't this, we supposed to have an interview? It's like this, yeah, right. But like this person's going to spend her time working with, with us. Yeah. She'll take that bet on us. Hired. Yeah. <laughs> and now looking back, you know, I think people seek us out as an organization to come and work for FEF as an organization because of what we have become and what our culture is is uh, at least that's what i hear um so you know what a what a transition that's been as well yeah so that's a great segue into talking about like what were the initial goals like we know what fvf is but what were the initial goals for fvf law i think you know for me my impetus for starting the organization and one of maybe the primary reason why I knew Aaron was the right person to do that with is I had been exposed to the personal injury community here. And we have a lot of really great lawyers. There are fantastic advocates in our community and in the state that do right by their clients. But there are also people in like any industry, there are people in our industry that might not necessarily have their client's best interest in mind all the time. And I, you know, was, I reflected on sort of the state of that and what 
my license to practice law afforded me the right and the opportunity to do as far as advocating for people and being one of the good actors who could really use that tool to change somebody's lives for the better, to educate um, people who were in need, people who were hurting and lost. And I think those th- that idea of using that tool for good of being a resource in the community that people could call and not be nervous about and know that when they were talking to me or talking to Aaron, they were going to get an education. They were going to be informed. They were going to be treated with dignity. They were going to be treated with respect, whether or not they had a case that was one for us to take or whether we were going to tell them you're better off handling it on your own or you don't have a case. uh, Just having those values from beginning to end and embodying that into an organization uh, was something that I felt like could help bring purpose to my life um, and be a good use of, of my time. Um, So that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. Purpose is a a good way to put it. I think I felt purpose initially in um, reviewing what Josh had done and what he was doing as an advocate because he had been practicing longer than I had. And some of the things that I witnessed uh, him do for his clients to me at the time, I remember thinking like, man, that's a lot. Like that's a long walk for a short drink of water. Sometimes Josh would do things, be on the phone with some, you know, health insurance provider, try to get to their general counsel in order to get them to review an unfair decision they had made on like $30, you know? And I was watching him do stuff like that and realizing that there really is a lot of honor in our work. Just as you look at any community and you see, you know, I always think of, of life as like a village, right? Like sun comes up on the town and there's, you know, a coffee roaster working diligently on getting the coffee. There's a, there's a journalist working on getting a newspaper out. There's a tailor trying to get the clothes ready. Uh, a lawyer is working on his client's case, and that can be a very honorable thing. And unfortunately, in our, in our modern world, uh, personal injury lawyers have done themselves a, a pretty big disservice in sort of uh, unwittingly creating a narrative that there's something wrong with this work. And, you know, I had worked on both sides. I was eight years in the insurance company. I had worked, you know, when I first was hired with Ross Ellinger, he was uh, working on state farm cases as well as plaintiff cases. And I had seen that on both sides, there's validity. If someone gets catastrophically injured and their families are affected by that, the universe is out of balance until we fix that. And both sides have a job to do, have a role. And there is a real problem. There's a fairness problem when people think they have to choose between going it alone with the insurance company or calling some lawyer, some unsavory character on a billboard. Um, They think that's their only choice. Uh, So I started to see that, you know, what we were trying to do, the work we were trying to do was, was something we needed to get the word out on. And fortunately we had this great platform in the internet. Um, So, you know, Josh had developed already some Yelp reviews and we started to pile them on. Um, Yelp reviews, Google reviews, Better Business Bureau reviews. And the, let the clients tell the message that what we're doing is very important and that we uh, 
have, and, and we, we felt that we had a huge responsibility to that work, you know, to those people who were in that unfair position to get them where they needed to go. And so it, again, developed a virtuous cycle where we were holding ourselves accountable to those reviews and those reviews ended up inspiring us to be better at our work. Yeah, those those tools, the Yelps and the Googles and better business bureaus, we really utilize those to help keep ourselves honest and remind us of what our mission was all the time. There was no deviating from what we promised people we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And to this day, we'll read them aloud in staff meeting because yeah. it fires us up. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we do it. Yeah. It, you know, when Josh is talking about what the marketplace looks like for personal injury lawyers in Central Texas, it makes me think that, you know, there are there are great PI attorneys in town whose names you'll you don't ever hear. Mm-hmm. Um and there are there are attorneys whose names you hear a lot. And I think what's really great about FVF and what you guys have built is the fact that we let our clients be noisy for us, right? right. We're not, we don't bang our own drum too much, <laughs> um, but we let those clients really sing the praises for us. And um, it's because of this great thing you guys have built um, and this amazing foundation um, that you establish nine years ago. So, Well, it's not just that, the client singing the praises helps us, you know, objectively recognize that we're achieving our mission. It feeds us. It's the fuel that we consume that reminds us as an organization, everybody on the team would say this, that even though it can be really hard, it can be really stressful and challenging sometimes when you have someone who you've helped come back and be uh, so vocal about how meaningful your help was to them at this very difficult time in their life. It's easy to come back and keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well, I appreciate you guys letting me crash your podcast party. (laughs) Um, This is fun. Yeah. Welcome here anytime.